1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast, where I bring in the best and the brightest from the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship to help you harness your own inner tenacity and drive your career forward. My guest today on the podcast is Carrie Michaels, CEO of William Murray Golf. Carrie is an entrepreneur who built WMG during her time with the Chivery, and we'll dig into the specifics of that story during our conversation. But Carrie essentially pioneered what was one product under the Chives e-commerce vertical into a full lifecycle brand with numerous individually curated pieces inspired by Bill and the Murray Brothers' life and family. And before that, Carrie spent time working with brands like Waterworks and Oakley, where she learned the full scope of operating premium product businesses. Her more recent success with WMG has earned her the title of Women to Watch in 2022 from the Women's Mm -hmm. President's Organization. So let's get to it. Carrie. welcome to the podcast.
2: Adam, thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, I'm excited to get into it. I'm sure everyone's always asking you every question under the sun about (laughs) Bill Murray and William Murray Galpa. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but I want to hit the rewind button here. Um, and I want to learn more about Kerry. And what stands out to me is your, your analytical approach to things, which, you know, goes all the way back to college where you studied accounting, finance and marketing. How important? Like, did you know back then how important it would be to to be a, a generalist? Like, was that even like a a mindset? Or you were just saying, "Hey, I'm in college. I got to get through this thing and, and get out the door." <laughs> that is
2: such a great question. No, I did not understand the value of that at the time. I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur, so I I really wanted to lean into that. But I I there wasn't a great path in undergrad to be an entrepreneur, and so. You know, when I was in business school, I would take finance classes and I was like, yeah, you know, I like this. And then I take marketing. I say, yeah, this is this is great, too. And, you know, I ended up really enjoying all the different aspects of business. And so I was probably one of the very few that graduated without a specific focus. Um, And I just wanted to take the classes that that really resonated with me. So that was just something that I think came naturally.
1: It's interesting. I think about that, too. Like they didn't have I mean, I'm not going to call out uh, your age here. Uh, I assume you're maybe within a general range of where where I am. I'm 43 in a general range of that. They didn't have those entrepreneurship classes. They really, really didn't. The closest thing we had, which was kind of crazy. And and I've spoken about it before when I was in high school as part of this program called DECA. Distributive education. It was like a business club. And, and now is like huh. kind of my, my take into it. But back to your story, because everyone's sick and tired of, of hearing my story over no. 250 plus <laughs> episode 259, by the way. Um, what, kind of, what kind of business did, did your dad have?
2: Uh, so he was in uh, community development. So he was, you know, background in real estate and construction. Um, and he was building uh, smart communities uh, as I was growing up
1: and do you remember like one of those early lessons that you took away from from watching him from working with him from being by his side a bit
2: I mean there were there are so many I think my dad has always been one of the the hardest workers and so I got to see him you know just work his butt off from yeah you, know, you know from a very young age and so that was that tenacity and that work ethic I think really stuck with me um and You know, when I talk to other entrepreneurs and things and people ask me all the time, like, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? Um, Mm -hmm. And for me, it really is. It's about grit and just sticking with it when you don't want to. And so that was something my dad modeled for me um, growing up.
1: So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead because it's it's not a question that I was planning on asking, but I kind of want to talk about this for a moment here. So I'm going to do a quick little flash forward over here. Yeah. So when, when you're hiring and whether it be now with, with William Murray or any of your past p- positions, how do you like what type of questions do you ask? How do you get to those those mm-hmm. character and personality traits in a 30, 45 minute interview? Because obviously these are the qualities you look for when you build teams. How, how do you get to those? Yeah. It's 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 tough you now.
2: I will say there's been a lot of trial and error over the years um, because I think for me, I, everyone says they want to work for a startup. And so I'm like, yeah, you know, do you want to work for a startup? Do you know what that means? And and everyone says yes to that. And what I learned, you know, in running William Murray golf is that not everyone should work for a startup. And so there are certain personality traits that you really do have to start to screen for in that process And, you know, I try to get to questions around, you know, how do they respond to difficult situations? How do they respond um, when their boss comes in and tells them, oh, no, we're going to pivot and we're going to do something else now. Um, Yeah, just throw, you know, whatever you were working on, don't worry about it. We're going to pivot and move. Um, That can really throw a lot of people off. And. I think you know really trying to figure out how to find people that are adaptable, that are curious and always yep. wanting to learn, and that aren't stuck in this mindset of well, what exactly is on this job description? What exactly am I going to be doing every day? Um, because I I can't tell you I don't know I don't know all the things I'm hiring you to help us put these you know processes and things in place, um, so. I don't know that I have a perfect set of questions, but I do try to hone in on some of those personality traits.
1: It's so interesting. So, you know, I mean, everyone knows that, you know, in the last month, there've been 60,000 plus layoffs at all these big tech companies. And one of the things that I've been talking about with folks in the recruitment community is, aside from the fact that there's going to be a ton of amazing, talented folks out there, these folks are used to working in very large matrix organizations. And some of them, as you're kind of alluding to, are going to want to Come to a startup. Startups are going to be hiring there. So you've yeah. worked at big places, Oakley and, and Waterworks, yeah. and not too, not yeah. too small, you know, relatively large organizations. What advice yeah. would you give folks out there to help them with that transition? To help them go from these large organizations with tons of resources, where shit, you got, you're gonna have to roll up your sleeves and get scrappy now, people.
2: Yeah, I think one thing that I tell our team all the time is when you work in a startup, it is an opportunity to do things you would never have the chance to do in a larger organization. And you have this chance to really flex your muscles and to expand that mindset if you're willing and, and able to learn. Um, you know, So for people making that transition, they need to see those tough things that you run into in a startup as an opportunity because um, you also have to do a lot with a little. Right. And so right. if you're used to having these great big budgets and you're used to having a very set structure and you know process for doing something. It's not going to look like that in a startup. Um, and you have to be open-minded. You have to have a positive mindset um, because there's probably going to be a lot of things that frustrate you <laughs> along the way. And so how do you deal with that? And how do you... How do you really embrace it and see it as an opportunity?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if I was interviewing and I say if I was running talent at a startup and someone from one of the, the, the FANG or MANG, whatever the acronym of the day is, you know, was interviewing, uh-huh. you know, I, I think I would have to ask those type of questions and figure out a way to get to the heart of it. Like, listen, do you know what you're getting yourself into? And and so everyone's obviously going to say yes, because they're looking for a job, but trying to figure out those, those real qualities there. So continuing with, with the, this is your life, Carrie Michaels, um, part of, part of the show (laughs) here. Let's talk about the time before, you know, William Murray golf, you're working for, um, Starling eyewear. What was that experience like? And how did Mm -hmm. that lead to the, to the chive?
2: Yeah. So really, you know, prior to the chive, I had touched on so many different things in business. Um, I had been in marketing research. I had been in strategy, um, you know, at Oakley, I was in, uh, I was really doing a lot in the, uh, e-com space and, um, and building out a learning management system, which, you know, it's a, it's a whole nother show. Um, but it was, you know, my, my career was really varied and what you're touching on with Starling Eyewear. That was, um, uh, I was doing consulting work and so I was touching on a lot of different things and kind of starting to bring things together. Um, And that was really, you know, for me, what I loved was being able to um, learn new things. And, you know, it's fascinating when I look back now on my career, there wasn't a single job that I took where I already knew how to do the job. You know, it was when I had an ops role, it was the first time I had been an ops. When I was in strategy, it was the first time I was going into strategy. So, um That I think for me is also another big takeaway. I'm like, gosh, I I don't think I knew it. I think I was afraid I was going to look like I was hopping around too much, but I wanted to challenge myself.
1: That is some really interesting advice. And going back to this kind of thread that we've been talking about with the recent layoffs, I mean, my advice to a lot of folks out there is be open minded of where your transferable skills are, where maybe yeah. you might have to take a slight either, um, you know, step backwards or, yeah. you know, you're not really going up in salary or anything just because you might have an opportunity to learn something new. Take a new position yeah. where you, where you could kind of be in. Tra- I mean, yeah. I think about it all the time my, my career trajectory is kind of all over the place. And my, you know, I come from the DTC world when I worked at Sirius XM, you know, during that web one days the beginning of e-commerce and that experience to me is invaluable because now I could talk e-commerce, you know, even though it's years past, but those core foundational elements of it um, had the ch- I mean the Chive was, was was pumping when you were when you made the move over there. Yes. What, what drew you over there? What what connected you with the Chive and and specifically working on the um well there's a little bit of a backstory to to William Murray golf, right? Like people yeah. don't realize like he it wasn't like an authorized thing by his estate. There were some images out yeah. there that you could use. Let's give everyone the the kind of gist. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, hey, Bill Murray's knocking the door and wants to launch a golf brand. Yet.
2: <laughs> Yet. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I before even starting at the Chive, I was You're right. It was back in the heyday. I think, you know, it's still incredibly popular, but it was really kind of building up at the time. And um, I was so fascinated with their customer loyalty. And I was like, wow, they have built this fan base, you know, group of people that are obsessed with the chive. And so as somebody who had been in consumer brands and really fascinated with, you know, I was just so fascinated with what really made people tick. I wanted to understand what this community was all about. And I wanted to understand what this brand was about. And so that was really kind of what, what drew me into the chive. Um, and yeah. And so, you know, from there, you know, the chive had Bill Murray's likeness on t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen him, it a was really just, right? yeah, a little silhouette of Bill's face. And then they would dress them up for St. Patrick's day and <laughs> fourth of July and all the holidays. and, they would sell, you know, an insane number of t-shirts very quickly. Um, and then they had done the one t-shirt with our now William Murray golf logo. Um, and they did it for charity and they sold, you know, a few thousand in, you know, 24 to 48 hours. And I just, I, I was just so in awe. Um, how did they, how do they do this? And yeah, so, but I, you know, and chatting with the founder, John Resig there, you know I was like, "Gosh, this could be something bigger. This could be a standalone brand um, and so that was kind of the the start of the idea
1: but didn't but didn't you think back then that golf and still is to an extent a little bit too stiff and and the whole William Bill Murray image applying that to golf really just i mean putting his personality and character into it,
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had come from you know most recently before the Chive, I had been at Oakley, um and I loved Oakley, and I love the sport performance world. And, you know, what I had seen, though, is that golf was super stuffy. And, you know, at the time in 2015, you know, everyone was talking about golf courses were closing. You know, there wasn't as much interest in the sport. Um, Young people just wanted a different pace of play. Um, And they were having a hard time attracting people to golf and so I was like, well, I mean, yeah, because, you know, everyone looks the same <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and it's stuffy and you can't listen to your music, and you're, you know, it's expensive and it takes a lot um, of time,
1: takes a whole day,
2: takes it, a whole day. Yeah. And so it just wasn't as accessible. Mm. Um, and so then that was the light bulb moment. It was like, oh, well, it's not accessible today, but who could make it accessible? I mean, Bill Murray, anybody. He, and, you know, I think everyone knows him from Caddyshack, but the more research I did, I was like, oh my gosh, wow, Bill is actually a really amazing golfer. And he's one of nine kids. There were six boys and him and his brothers were all inducted into the Caddy Hall of Fame because mm-hmm. they all grew up caddying. And so there was this authenticity to it where I was like, wow, he's he's a it's really real. great golfer and he's out there golfing. It's not just the movie. Um, and so... I thought there was this white space to really bring some personality onto the course. And what I say is to break away from that sea of blue striped polos.
1: <laughs> it's interesting, too. And, and correct me if I'm getting this story. Make sure and keep me straight with the story here that there was a bunch of brands, uh, people out there doing some stuff. And and one of his brothers brought it to his attention and he said, well, let's let's figure it out with the brand that's doing it the biggest and the best. And and walk us through that story a little bit. And there was a phone call. How did that work out?
2: Oh, yeah. So, um so Bill and his brothers host a golf tournament every year called the Caddy Shot Golf Tournament. And the Chive had been a um a sponsor at this golf tournament. And so at this point, this was 2015, I had ended up kind of building out a you know, a pitch deck, one of those more formal pitch mm-hmm. decks. Here's what the brand could look like, here's some ideas.
0: Right. Projections, um, yada, yada, Yeah.
2: And we were hoping, you know, the idea was to be able to pitch Bill at this Caddyshack golf tournament. And so we did reach out to his lawyer and said, Hey, you know, we have this concept we'd like to pinch him, pitch him. And, you know, he had said, "Mm, I don't think that's a great idea. (laughs) Imagine being Bill's
1: lawyer. Jeez.
2: (laughs) It would be a tough job for sure. And he was like, Listen, you know, he said once, Yes, don't try and go after anything else. Just, just leave him alone. And so, um, when we were there, I actually had a chance encounter with Joel Murray, who was Bill's youngest brother, met him on the course. And, you know, I said, hey, Joel, you know, I like your polo, but I think, uh, I think we should make something better for you.
1: <laughs> and we, and I laughed. assume you were wearing the logo, right? You were wear, you were no. rocking the, no, you didn't want to rub. Yeah.
2: No, we hadn't <laughs> even got, we were not wearing no. the logo at that no. point. There it didn't exist. <laughs>
1: yeah. Just a couple of t-shirts. And, yep.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and he had said, you know. I'd love to make a better polo. He was like, we, my brothers and I have always wanted to do golf apparel. We just don't know how to get into it. And I said, well, I think I might have an answer for you. You know, we do here at the Chive and would love to talk to you more about a concept. And he said, great, hop on the golf cart. And so three hours later, you know, that was, that was kind of the initial pitch.
0: Hey, everybody. First, I'd like to thank you all for spending time with me and my guest on the podcast. This show is my canvas to showcase amazing people from the world of recruiting, entrepreneurship, and leadership, and unpack their career journeys for everyone to learn from. But this show is also a business generator for me, as well as creating thought leadership and endless amazing content. And I've taken what I've learned in the past three years and over 200 recorded and 100 live shows and distilled it down into a digital playbook that I call the Course. Now you could learn how I build, manage, and produce the podcast and use it to drive real business development and relationships. Today, I'm sharing all of my secrets behind the podcast, and you can get it all at the This course is for anyone, whether you're starting out or an advanced podcaster. you're using it for B2B, B2C. It's filled with all of my insights, learnings, tips, tricks, and templates. So get it now at the and learn all my secrets. Thanks.
1: Bill Murray, everyone who's encountered him, the stories are are legendary. Do you you have your Bill Murray story the first time? Have you met him? Yes. Okay. So what what was your first encounter?
2: Um, Our first encounter really was a year later, a year after that I pitched Joel Murray. um, And it was still at the Caddyshot Golf Tournament. And so Brandon Barrett, who is my co-founder, he and I had a chance In 2016, right after we signed a contract with Bill and his family um, to do this deal together, we went and presented designs, and we said, "Hey, our first collection is going to launch in the fall. It's going to be in about six or eight months. Here's here are some ideas. Here's what we're thinking. Here's some samples of fabric." And he got really into it, and I was um, it was it was a very uh, you know memorable day for us and. one of the first polos that we presented looked like a Cubs jersey. And I forget what our initial name was for the jersey, to be honest with you. Um, but he looked at it. And if you know, you know, the curse of the Cubs and whatnot, it was, you know, it was a big deal. And we were like, do you think it's a good idea to go out with a polo that looks like a Cubs jersey? He said, yes, 100%. And you're going to name it. This is the year. And I was like, ooh, do you, you think that's a good name? and he was like, yes, don't second guess me. That's the name. So he said, all right, fine, let's do it. And we launched that polo on his birthday, September of 2016. And And then the Cubs went on, Mm -hmm. you know, six or seven weeks later to go and win the world series.
1: crazy. Um,
2: (laughs) That was very serendipitous for sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I have a Bill Murray story. I'm not going to share on the, on the air here. Um, I'm going to save it for it's, (laughs) Not that it's like it's it, 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 it's a good story I had a, I had a good 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 moment with him and and I'll leave it at that I'll, I'll extend that for another time but I'm, the show's about you Carrie it's not about me you know it's <laughs> my true so talk to us a little bit about that about that transition period for you and your career at the time being a you know with the chive and in that capacity to taking on this role of leading this new brand emerging into the marketplace and building out a building a company pretty much from scratch yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting too. I think one thing that's, you know, kind of unique about Brandon and I's founding story is that we really started as intrapreneurs. And so we incubated this idea under the chive. And it's kind of a unique and different way to start a company. And so um, we did have support of designers and we had, you know, back office with, you know, accounting and financial support and whatnot. And so We were able to really focus on the brand and what we wanted to stand for and how we wanted to position ourselves very early on. Um, But really, it was our first season in the fall of 16 that we were with the Chive. And then in 2017, January of 2017, we split off and we became our own entity. And so while we had all this support along the way, then it was 2017, we split off, we went out and had to go raise our own money. And it was almost like starting the business all over again and kind of setting a new foundation. Um, and that's really where we were challenged and we grew so much in those years. And, um, you know, that was that was a fun part of our journey.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that. Jen. Let's talk about one of the, the first big stumbling blocks um, that was, I like to say, a hard lesson learned the hard way. Do you remember that?
2: So many, so many. One uh, that stood I, out
1: to you, one that you really said, We're gonna, this could be really bad if we let it get bad and let's figure this out now and course correct.
2: Yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest early lessons for me was, and it sounds so simple, but it was managing cash. And so, you know, when you're in business school, you're, you know, you're taught to look at a cash flow statement, you're always taught cash is king, but I didn't quite understand how that, you know, was going to play out for us. And so when you're in apparel, we were placing deposits, you know, nine plus months in advance. And those were huge, you know, those were huge payments, especially Mm -hmm. for us in the early days. Um, And we were growing so fast. I mean, we were selling out of product, you know, very quickly And so the next order was like double that size.
0: Projections Um, versus cash. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, projections were so great. And so, you know, (coughs) would I do anything differently? I'm not sure. But sometimes I'm like, I I wish we had grown a little bit um, slower so that we could have kept up with some of that, uh, the cash and the momentum early on. But it it led us to a place where um, we were constantly raising money. We were chasing the money to chase the POs and um and that that's that's just a really tough place to be.
1: Yeah, and it's tough too, because you're projecting. You're saying, all right, well, we're based on the success of this last product, yeah. and you go out there and you do double the order and, and what if it's a dud? Yeah. What if it what if it flops? Yeah. What if you hit market what if you had market yeah. saturation? And and that's yeah. another interesting one too. I mean, what's been the approach? I mean, you, you have an extremely uh strong background analytical mindset. What's your approach to forecasting a, a trend of maybe a new product line and 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 it's a bad in some cases. Is, so how do you make it an educated one?
2: It's, it's all, it's a bet. You're right. You know, I think um, one thing I do love about my job is that I'm able to blend the creative and the analytical. Um, you know, when you're looking at, especially for a brand like us, that's so print heavy, you know, I can't just look at past sales and say, oh, you know, the black solid polo, polo was our best seller. So I can buy into that again. Um, you know, it is every we're a print business mm-hmm. and it's really hard to forecast that. Um, so a lot of it is on gut. You know, I look at the stuff and my my barometer is, you know, if we were sitting next to each other, you know, having a drink after the game of golf, mm-hmm. would I want you to go change first? <laughs> or would I be like, oh no, I love your shirt. You look great. Um, and so some of that is my litmus test is, do I want to sit next to you at like dinner for a drink? And,
1: you well, know, do as, I like as long what as you you showered wearing? after the 18 holes. <laughs> so let's, I mean, one of the, one of the strong things you spoke about is the Chives brand and the, uh, uh affinity of mm-hmm. the folks who, who love it for, for so long. I mean, the Chive itself, yeah. you could do a whole show on the Chive itself as such an innovator in the content yeah. space. How have you built the, the loyal fan base and keep engaging with your community with WMG?
2: Yeah, you know, I I think from the get-go, customer service has been at the forefront of everything we do. And I say that, you know, I think a lot of companies say that. But for us, people think that Bill Murray is the one behind the keyboard answering the emails, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, while, you know, he actually has done that a few times, um... He, we are representing him in the public's eye, and so we take that very seriously. And we want to make sure that people um, feel valued and feel heard. And so we've taken huge strides in, in making sure that we're answering every customer very quickly. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna slip up, and we're gonna fail sometimes, and we're gonna screw up, but um we always own up to that and that's that's important to me and i think that helps build trust and it helps build build loyalty
1: i i i truly cuz my my wife and i are pretty avid online shoppers and i'm a i'm a self admit i'm a sucker for instagram ads they get me so <laughs> i don't know what they do with targeting i like it's so hyper targeted yeah. these days it's really creepy right like yeah. were you just listening to my conversation did you read my <laughs> emails and i think they they do i mean they probably do they probably do there um but the customer service angle is so critical that first experience you have, and I always give a brand the benefit of the doubt. Something may happen in shipping. Something may happen yeah. with an order, but how you handle it and how you yes. remedy the situation. Yes. I mean, there's nothing worse. Like when you buy something and like you have to pay for the return label back and, and they give you a hard time with it. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to name a brand. There's one brand where they, there's a complete disconnect between, and it's a high end retail, uh, consumer yeah. merchandise, a uh, disconnect between their online and their retail where you can't exchange oh. something online. You could only return it and you have to process a new order. Not fun. Not fun. Not fun. So it's, it's, it's little things there. I mean, try, try, trial and error, right. Like and, 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 and figuring it out. Um, wh- what advice would you give for, for, you know, CEOs in your position um, to really ensure that the community, you know, stays strong?
2: Uh, I think it, it starts with being customer first and, not thinking that you have all the answers you really do need to listen to your customer and find a way for them to 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 be able to give you feedback um, whether that's through you know surveying them focus groups or um, answering customer emails I think always remembering that every sale there's a customer behind every sale is really it's an important it's an important lesson
1: yeah keep it written on your on your hand, on your desk, wherever they yeah. are. Um, so I wanted to read yeah. a quote where you broke down the role of, of a CEO and, and particularly discussed oh, the last line. So it reads, quote, tell me if you remember this. I don't. <laughs> quote, the CEO is is challenged with planning for the downside and looking to the future. Mm. You always have to be prepared to execute on a worst case scenario to keep business running. However, yeah. you must continue to find the white space, the opportunities to expand your business. It's a balance between being a realist and an optimist, end quote. Yeah. How do you how do you create that balance without getting stuck too far in, in the in the light and dark? How do you do that on a daily basis? I need to hear this.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, to be honest, you know, as a startup, I I do feel like I I do this every day um, because I'm I'm talking with our head of finance. I'm talking with accounting on a very regular basis, and I'm saying, okay, what's really happening right now, and what are we? I know what we say we want to do, but where are we trending? And so, always being a realist and this is what's actually happening, regardless of what kind of goals and things we have in place. Um, and so, managing, you know, and forecasting cash is part of that planning for the downside for us, um, and making sure that we're ready for it. And so, I'm looking, I'm looking out six to twelve months on a very regular basis uh, to make sure we're prepared, but on the flip side, I mean, you have to be going for the bigger goals and you have to set Always. your, your sights high. Um, you know, you, you've got to keep pushing and, you know, I, I know and in, in today, you know, today, 2023, it's, you know, we're, some would say we're already in a recession. I don't, you know, or we're about to be, um, that can be kind of a scary place to be, but you, you've got to have the balance of both. Um, and I think that's, what's, that's what's inspiring that's what people want to be a part of um no one wants to be a part of a brand that's like just limping along and you know no. doesn't have great ex- expectations and goals set
1: that that's solid advice so so before i bring it home here um i got to end on, on on bill murray too and um <laughs> I'd, I'd love to know what your your favorite bill murray movie is if there's a particular scene a particular moment and i don't know um,
2: you know the, that's a really that's a great question it's funny because I asked this of of a lot of um people that we interview as well um you know there's there's so many ones to pull from um I think some of the the classic ones are still my favorite you know ghostbusters um i've I have two young kids and mm-hmm. they've recently gotten into into ghostbusters and Um, It is really it's really fun to watch with them, you know, as a family. So I love that one. Love Stripes. I love Meatballs. Meatballs is another like really great coming of age. You know, you've got that old school dirty 80s movies is so good. Yeah. Um, So those are some of the classics and, and some of my favorites.
1: For me, for me, it's Ghostbusters on my shelf over there. I have my Lego oh. Ghostbusters and I'm going to do something I never do on the show. I'm going to take my camera <laughs> here and I'm going to show you something absolutely crazy. This is crazy here. Hold on. We're going to do this. Okay. Look, look look what's on my wall right over I'm
2: ready. here. Ah, oh my gosh. And this is, this something is a moment.
1: This, this is a moment for me right here. And I'm going to tell everybody why that moment is so important for me. That, that moment in Ghostbusters is them recognizing that they just did a job well done. They are covered in slime. They just came out, mm. they busted those ghosts, they sucked them in, right? And, and they're just proud, they're just proud. We worked, dirty work, we got our shit done and we took care of business. And, and that's why I love that poster yeah. and I look at it and it, it's funny, that poster reminds me just to work hard. It, it, re- yeah. it, really, it really does. And, and Bill Murray, I mean, it's, he, obviously we all know, um, yeah. Peter Bankman and, and just, it's, yeah. it, it's the movie itself. So let's, let's, let's wrap it up here. Carrie, what is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every day?
2: Yeah, so I I think um one of them is, you know, when I was first out of college, I had a really hard time finding a job. And I remember telling my parents, you know, "Oh, I'm just I'm just not qualified for all these jobs that I want to do." And my dad said, "Just because you, you haven't done it yet doesn't mean you can't. You can figure it out along the way." And so Since then, I've never applied for a job where I check all the boxes. Um, And, you know, that's something I think about every day.
1: I love it. That's solid. And Carrie, last but not least, I mean, you look back on on your life and career and there's those times that were tough, those times that you struggled and you had to reach down deep inside and and harness that inner tenacity and pull yourself up. Um, And on the flip side, you sit here with gratitude. You're running a fantastic brand, two little kids, beautiful family, happy with life what keeps you focused? What is your beacon? Carrie Michaels, what is your North Star in life?
2: Oh, you know, that's a tough one. You know, I think, um, my North Star, you know, kind of growing up has always been to be an entrepreneur and to build companies. Um, and I'm doing that now and it's fulfilling and challenging and all the things, but I'm starting to realize that what continues to energize me is about something deeper and more than that. is to build something that, that really has a positive impact. Um, even if it is, you know, like William Murray golf, just bringing a smile to people's faces every day.
1: I love it. <clears throat> That's fantastic. Carrie, I want to thank you so much for, for joining me on the show. I want everyone to check out williammurraygolf.com. Where else could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Where could they learn more?
2: Uh, my LinkedIn, Carrie Caloran Michaels, um, and my Instagram, which is Carrie underscore WMG.
1: Awesome. Good stuff. Carrie. hang with me for a moment here as we sign off. Great episode, actionable, fantastic story. Definitely check out williammurraygolf.com. I'm going to be hitting up williammurraygolf.com for Father's Day for my dad. And this will air before. Oh, shoot. I just gave it away. I know my dad (laughs) listens to every episode. So I'm dad, I'm not getting (laughs) you something from William Murray Golf. Definitely not getting that. (laughs) Carrie. thanks for joining me today. Hang with me one moment here. Thanks, Adam. Awesome. And everyone listening at home, if this episode resonated with you, sharing means caring. So share it. Leave a review rating. goes a long way. Guess what? You want to reach out to me? My email, adam at nhptalentgroup.com. Shoot me a message. Say hello. I'd love to connect with you. And everyone out there, you know what to find out more at thepodcast.com. Follow us on other social media handles. Remember, take care of each other. Look out for one another and catch us next week for another good episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody.
0: Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us.